Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome into episode 248 of the Source to Say podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Source to Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Stressed about the big game or were you stressed about the big game? Take advantage of their special offer for KSR listeners and protect your teeth from clenching and grinding for a limited time. They are offering uh, 20% off bite guards and discounted therapeutic dye sport injections. Click the link in our show notes to schedule your free consultation. Offer ends April 4th. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Um, I would say I'm very happy to be hosting this show, but unfortunately I'm not because it is a sad day. We are driving home from Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, sad again, another road trip home, Stephen, where we're not very happy, but. Uh, had to take my trusty road trip partner, Stephen Peake, as I've said many times on this show, the most passionate UK fan I know personally and our go-to videographer who is getting this little setup going as we're driving uh, back home to Kentucky. Stephen, again, I'm sorry that <laughs> it has to come to this and we. I, I wish I could just get you on for a fun show where we're excited and talking about, oh, let's book our flight to New York City and man I can't wait to stay in, New- in Times Square oh Madison Square Garden is going to be amazing I wish we could be doing that but unfortunately that's just not the reality today on this uh, Monday afternoon I was really excited about getting a return trip to New York City the first one um, was a fun trip not a fun game I, I was really looking forward to it and I kind of thought in the second half I started thinking that oh my gosh we're gonna we're gonna get back and immediately have to get either back on the road or get a flight to New York City. 
Uh, I really believed it was happening. I, and it's weird because I, I don't know. Don't listen to me. I'm really pessimistic. You know, and you know, you know that. I, I like to um, expect the worst and, and hope for the best. That, it's not a, it's not the best way to go through your life, but it's just. And I, the whole day, I kind of thought that Kentucky probably wasn't going to win, just because of the way the season has gone. Not because I thought Kansas State was world beaters, or and I certainly didn't expect Reeves and Top to play like that. I thought, though, up eight in the second half, I thought we would be coming, we would be driving back, and we would be giddy. And we're now getting ready to enter the state of Kentucky. We're coming back with an L. Disappointing. Kentucky loses in the second round. We get a very happy, optimistic, oh, we got the monkey off of our back after the win over Providence. On Friday, they followed up with a 75-69 loss to the three-seed Kansas State Wildcats to get knocked out. Another year um, that we unfortunately do not get the chance to um, advance. It's a season of what-ifs and man how close were we to this and why can't we just get consistency across the board uh, for, for whatever reason. It, the, the season of ups and downs like almost this game was was to a T just how we've been feeling all year long about I, I think I even said on the last show that we did that well you know that you know what you're going to get out of Jacob Toppin you know what you're going to get out of Antonio Reeves you know what you're going to get out of Oscar Sheetway as long as you get Cason Wallace CJ Frederick or Chris Livingston one of those three I feel good about Kentucky's chances you get CJ to finally make a, a shot from three Cason Wallace plays out of his mind one of his best games as a Wildcat. Chris Livingston plays, for my money, the best game as a Kentucky Wildcat, but these stable forces that we've seen all season long that have done really, really, really good things, especially in the back half of the season, they come up short, combined two for 22 for the Kentucky Wildcats, and as you said, Stephen, an eight-point lead in the second half uh, ends up being a six-point loss, so um, just a season of inconsistencies striking at the worst time. So can can we go back to like the, the first half where Kansas State shot, what were they, 0 for 12 or something like that from three? They, they it was, and there was a moment, well, let's go, actually, let's go back to like the, the first four minutes. It's six to three, and it felt like it was six to three for like most of my life. Like they just, the score never changed and Kansas State kept missing shots. And you just thought, man, if Kentucky can get a couple buckets and just get this, do you remember when Kansas State, last time they played them, Kentucky got down 13 to one. And although Kentucky didn't come back and take the lead, it felt 13 to one just felt like almost insurmountable. I think if Kentucky just could have pushed that lead, obviously they've got a few more points, but man, it was, it's just the whole season. Like you said, that the, the inconsistencies. I mean, there was a time in the game where Kentucky couldn't be stopped. I mean, they couldn't stop Kansas State either, but Kentucky couldn't be stopped. But when they, when Kansas State didn't score, Kentucky didn't score. When Kentucky started scoring, Kansas State started scoring. Why? Why? Why was that the case? And I, and I think one of the things that frustrated me the most was when Kentucky would get a bucket. I'll, I'll, I'll just be honest. I didn't see a lot of the game, especially the second half, because I was walking the concourse because I was nervous. And I was getting ready for to do our, our post-game stuff, but I was also just walking the concourse, nervous. And I, but I was listening to the PA. I could see the game. I'd see. I'd hear basket by Wallace, and the, in three seconds later, I hear basket by Noel, and I'm like, how? They're literally just beating. Out of look at the replay, they're just beating him straight line drive, right out, right. Get the ball to the basket, go score. And I'm like, how are we not getting back? I don't. Did Kentucky have a problem with that all year? I don't think that they did. Uh, but you I mean you follow the team a little more closely. You actually watch the games, pay attention to them. Um, I'm more just like a fan, just take, taking in the experience of being nervous in March. But uh, 
did that was that something that happened all season or was that new like what happened not not to that extent and i think uh yeah defensive breakdowns just however they were coming and i, I really did think kentucky had a, a great defensive game plan to start the game I, they, they were clearly trying to uh, trap and blitz marquise noel and make him as uncomfortable as possible and uh, try to take him out of the game entirely as a scorer and it worked briefly uh, and then he decided to turn into prime white chocolate Jason uh, <laughs> Jason Williams and uh, becomes a, a playmaking nightmare and that starts you know forces a, a shift on, on the Kentucky defense and then opens up the door for him to absolutely just cook the, uh, on the uh, as, as a scorer um, made shot after shot after shot big shot uh, when you have Antonio Reeves start the game uh, I mean as cold as he possibly uh, possibly can start it out uh, 0 for 14 and 0 for uh, overall and 0 for uh, for nine or nine overall from from three. Uh, I mean, yeah. At that point, it is what it, he he had scored 22 points a game over the last six games. Had, had emerged as Kentucky's go-to bucket getter. Uh, we've just seen him go for 37 down in Fayetteville. I mean, uh, that's fluky stuff. That is that is absolute <laughs> fluky stuff. And then Jacob Toppin, he goes individually uh, two for or one for seven overall, over two from three. Uh, I mean, those two have been probably Kentucky's two most consistent presences overall outside of Oscar Sheboy, and um, they weren't able to make the big shots that Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and uh, the, the Kansas State Wildcats were able to make, and, and I, I guess it's just kind of a sobering reality that when push came to shove, the better team ended up winning, and the season will end with Kentucky probably finishing where they deserve to finish. You know, they, there wasn't a magical run. There wasn't a, uh, you know, well, they, they struggled all year long at these certain things, but if they, they fix them right at the right time, they already have the offense, but what if they, uh, you know, fix a couple things defensively? Will they be able to overcome? At, at, at the wrong moment, Kentucky's biggest struggles kind of came to bite them in the butt, and unfortunately, the better team won, and it's a, a pretty, pretty tough reality, I think. Well, you know, okay, so uh, I don't want to get too far off track here, but it's something I was thinking about um, on our trip back, that Kentucky basketball is in this weird funk, nothing to do with coaching X's and O's, all this. I mean, it does, but I, I, what I'm kind of talking about is from 2010 to 2015, when Kentucky needed a bucket, now take West Virginia out of that, maybe take UConn out of that, but more times than not, Brandon Knight against Princeton, Brandon Knight versus West Virginia, Brandon Knight versus Ohio State, uh, uh, DeAndre Liggins versus North Carolina. You can go on and on from 2012, 2014, 2015. And then 2015, Notre Dame misses a shot. And then Wisconsin, the next game, hits that step back three that gives them the lead. And from that point on, I felt like every big shot in the tournament happened against Kentucky, as opposed to Aaron Harrison beyond belief moments that we had in 2014 all the good luck that we had, you know, I guess Willie Cauley-Stein made a big play to get up in the Notre Dame's face, Notre Dame player's face and make him, you know, miss the three. But like I, the way the luck is going right now, if that same play happened in 2023, that shot just goes in. Like, it's just, it feels like those were tough shots that Kansas State hit. That that last three that, that pushed the lead to five, um, I did watch that play and it, it was going up and I was like, I, I can't believe they're going to hit another one. I just couldn't. I was like, the odds of them hitting, I don't know how many threes they hit towards the end of the game, but it had to be, it was three. I don't know if it was four. Man, uh, it's just like you said, 
a fluky thing. Reeves scored 37 points just a couple like weeks ago. And he and he goes one for ten. Last year against St. Peter's, Grady goes one for nine. And they and St. Peter's hits every big shot. I've rewatched that game because I'm a psychopath and I love feeling the pain, I guess. But I I've watched that game and I'm like, what else could you have done defensively? They were just throwing up shots and they were going in. What could Kentucky have done, in your opinion, differently in those final, let's say, four minutes? I think um, that was when Lance Ware got the dunk, put Kentucky at four. What did you see? Was it just them hitting insane shots or could Kentucky have done anything different? Nah, Marquise Noel is Kemba Walker reincarnated. I mean, one of those dudes that they had been cold all game long. The shots that they had, you know, they had clean looks all game long and weren't making them. But when they got contested looks, I mean, four feet behind the three-point line, fadeaway that Keontae Johnson step back fadeaway uh, three from the, from the right wing like shots like that, that that that's March like that that's March Madness where Kentucky was a hair off if if I, I go back to that beginning uh, the couple early sequences with Antonio Reeves a dude that just went nuclear three three days ago two days before uh, this last game where he gets five five threes at the same gym same goals same everything adjust rim adjusted or not he made five of them (laughs) on the same floor and then he hit the takes his first two and they rim out i mean touch every single inch of the cylinder and it just barely rims out and he talked about it after the game was like yeah i just kind of knew that it wasn't gonna be my day after the fact and you just think if those two shots had fallen i mean they were just a a speck off yeah. If those two had fallen, is the whole trajectory of the game different? How, what is the narrative? How how does that impact momentum and all those things? Because truthfully, I do think Kentucky controlled for a lot of the game. They did lead for the majority of the game, but I thought they controlled um, pretty much the, the entire time outside of the, the, the last minute of the first half. Um, it, it's just kind of one of those it-is-what-it-is it type deals where they – I don't know, man. I just think if, if Antonio Reeves gets one of those two early yeah. threes to fall, that the whole storyline of the game changes. It's like kind of what I said uh, to people about Grady last year. Like, if he yeah. has a bad game, Kentucky wins. Like, if he just has a bad game, not his worst game. Like, if Antonio Reeves has a like a, a, a game he would love to forget, then and not, not just the worst game he's ever played at Kentucky, then Kentucky wins. And I'm not putting it on Reeves. Like, he, he's the reason they were, they were playing on Sunday, him and Toppin. People kind of going after them a little bit, you know, as being seniors that maybe, you know, oh, why, you know, maybe hit, you know, why don't they hit these shots? Look, like you said, you're talking like, how badly did he miss? Like, it's a, it, it really does become a game of inches. And he had a three in the corner in the second half, all by himself. Case uh, and I uh, got, got it to Toppin, Toppin. I was, he was like, one more pass, threes is wide open. I thought that was going down. Everyone stood up, had the three ready to go, and, and he missed it. I couldn't believe he missed that one. Um, that's when I, I thought we were in trouble then. I thought Kentucky was in trouble because uh, Oscar just missed the front end of a bonus. Uh, Kentucky's eight-point lead advantage. The game was tied, I think, at that point. And um, credit, though, Kentucky and Casey Wallace, there was a couple times I thought that earlier in the season, they fold. I mean, I thought the game might have been over when they went up five in the second half just because of the way this team plays in the second half when they're behind. That they don't really, they struggle coming back. 
they, you know, that's when tight guys get even more tight and shots stop going in and uh, they battle back. Casey Wallace put this team on his shoulders. Um, you know, you got a, a chance to talk to him um, in the in the locker room. I didn't really get to see him. What was his like attitude and mood like? Very, very, very blunt. Very short. Like uh, as I, I think as frustrated and as put off as I've ever heard. And he's all, he's always been very short winded. So you know, getting drawn out responses is always. I mean, it's always a surprise. Um, but you could tell that he was really shaken up. He was really hurt because, I mean, that's that's a dude that you cannot, I mean, you can't blame him for the loss. He, he was absolutely terrific. Uh, he goes for 21 points on 9 of 11 shooting, 1 for 1 from 3, 2 for 2 at the line, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. He had 5 turnovers, Gosh. but a lot of those came in like the first couple minutes. Um you know, two steals in 34 minutes. He, he was absolutely sensational from, from start to finish. He, he only had like one turnover in the second half then, I guess. I think he had four at halftime. Him and Oscar both. Um, what's what, So what is it? Uh, what's the deal with, you know, Oscar Sheepway, you, you really, you wouldn't trade him for almost anybody. Um, but passing, uh, when they, when every, every time they went to double team him, I was like, please get rid of him before that double team comes. Um, it, it, it's been an issue all season, right? I don't, I don't know if coaches are, tell, are telling him, hey, we know, <laughs> catch the ball and let's move it around because they're double teaming you. They can only have five guys on the floor. That means somebody's open. So maybe kick it back out, move it around, look, try to find the open guy, make the defense move. I just, I felt like Calipari did talk about this a lot all season. Guys are holding onto the ball or they're just dribbling it or we got to move the ball. And they, and we saw the ball movement get better. I pointed out uh, to, to uh, some people about like how they, the ball movement, even in the Vanderbilt game where they lost. Um, what is it? Oscar Sheba is like going to be one of the best players of the Cal era. But um, you were just listening to something I thought was really interesting. Can you just, is it okay to kind of talk about what you were listening to just a minute ago about Oscar and can you win six games with him? Yeah, I was listening to Game Theory, I think, with Sam Vachini with uh, The Athletic, who just, you know, kind of went in on the, that fact that he's kind of a, an anchoring center that uh, you, you can't bring him out, uh, you know, outside the paint. And, um, yeah, passing is, is poor. And uh, I think the issue with Oscar is – in that type of moment, he feels the need to do everything by himself because I think he saw, okay, well, nobody else around me is making the big shots. Kaysen is driving and scoring at will, and, you know, if I can't do it, then definitely we have at least, uh, you know, Kaysen make, making plays happen. But uh, when you have Antonio Reeves and Jacob Toppin clearly off their game, clearly missing shots, I think that panic almost kind of sets in for Oscar where he's like, oh, shoot this team is going to lose unless I, I take the game over and it almost backfires because yeah, he does put up 25 point, uh, you know, stat lines, 18 rebounds, eight of 13 shooting nine of 11 from the line. He was terrific. Like in terms of yes. scoring, um, you know, a pure domination on the glass and all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it, it's the, the timeliness of the turnovers and, and the costly decisions that, that just kind of just, move the needle just a hair the other directions and it sucks and, and you don't want a guy with the legacy that Oscar Sheepway has yeah. and has put so much into this university like Oscar Sheepway is not to blame for that loss no 
but you can say that when you know the, the panic that he saw when everything else wasn't working and his need to uh, do you know put the ball in his hands and and take matters into his his own hands that's where things you can kind of tell what started getting shaky a little bit uh, and I mean credit to Kansas State because that's exactly what their game plan was they admittedly did not think that the Providence scout was very very good they they, they wanted to play uh, you know similarly to, to what Vanderbilt did well in both of their wins over the Kentucky Wildcats force turnovers make them feel as uncomfortable as possible uh, and force them to make shots and Kentucky did not make the shots necessary to, to win but they also turned the ball over I mean uh, just way too many turnovers um 16 overall, 11 in the first half. It's just not yeah. going to cut it. That's where the momentum flipped. And, and again, 11. To, to Kentucky's credit, they did do a great job of bouncing yeah. back. The, the energy and, the, and the, the pace and the tone, everything was so great to start that second half. Uh, and then Marquise Noel happened and Keontae Johnson happened. It's, you know, turnover turnovers had to be better. And it did not help that you did not have Sabir Wheeler that, in, in there to, you know, at least – when things were going south with Case and Wallace and you had to put a do hero in and, and, and there were times Antonio Reeves was the primary ball handler and CJ Frederick yeah. at times. I mean, it would be really nice to have that guy that, that just complimentary piece to just settle a little bit and, and be the, the breath of fresh air uh, in and compliment what, Marquise Noel does a five-eight point guard that is the kind of the pace setter, the the change of pace guy that we've talked about on the show. Uh, to we're blue in the face as to what Savir does well. That's it, literally who Marquise Noel is for for Kansas State. I would have loved to see that back and forth between those two, them both getting up in each other's grill and you know really guarding each other ninety-four feet. I think that would have been a blast, but unfortunately we didn't get that opportunity. The Savir Wheeler story is just going to be something everybody's going to, you know, talk about. I really, really thought he could have helped this team at several points during the season. I thought uh, the Georgia game, Kaysen picked up two quick fouls. Um, the, um, you know, the, this past game, the Vanderbilt game in, uh, uh, in Bridgestone. So, you know, we talked to him on Thursday. They, it, it sounded like he was going to go. I, I don't – I. You know, you try to read through some of the stuff. The, there's coach speak. There's locker room talk. There's, like, it's a totally different, like, um, like dialect. Uh, not dialect, but it's, like, it's a totally different language. You almost have to, like, interpret it, you know? Like, what is the truth behind all of this? And you just – the way that he was talking on Thursday where he laughed was, like, when somebody – I think Kyle Tucker asked him, you know, people th- thought you quit the team, and he went like, "Ha! Like, oh, you think that's the that's the narrative? That's what people are saying?" It sounded like he was going to play. Um, and then he, he was—I guess he woke up on Friday, 70%, 70-75%, I think is what Cal said. As a fan, it's just—it's um, another mystery that is just frustrating. Because here's the thing: he, I'm not saying because we don't know. Like, we don't. So, like, he could have been hurt this whole time he got a injury that Calipari called a minor injury and then he was out the rest of the season and it's so weird and it's like all right who's not being up front with us you don't need to tell us every detail the, the and it's certainly not the media because the media is just the conduit for the fans we're just, that's just the middleman for the fans and you but even still you don't the fans don't have to know everything 
I think though, it just creates a, a more toxic environment for Xavier Wheeler because people just didn't really know. There was no specifics on injuries, no specifics. Uh, you broke the, the news about what the surgery was on KSR Plus, I think. Um, but even then, like from the team, we're not getting, as a fan, you're not getting specifics. And then people just kind of fill that void with whatever it is they think it could be. And I'm sure, Severe Wheeler said he wasn't on social media. I don't know that I believe that. I know his Twitter is still active and that he's on it. He's probably seen fans say some pretty terrible things to him. And that's so not fair. Um, and it's not fair to him also, because if you th thought he quit, well, Calipari saying that he's good, they're all acting like he's going to play. So it's not fair to, to Wheeler. The entire thing was not fair to him. I was talking, we've been talking, I've been talking about Severe Wheeler, I think, all season. Because I really thought he could help a Tennessee game after I left that game. I thought, man, what a great teammate. He was up on the bench cheering for his guys. And, but we saw what Casey Wallace needed to be the point guard. I, as a fan, really, you don't need to be 100% transparent, but you do need to, like, make Calipari and the coaching staff, I felt like, could, could, or somebody within the program knew what those rumors were and could have addressed them. And the fact that it wasn't, I think, made it worse for Severe. I think the fact that Cal like, really forced him to play in some of these games when it was clear that Kate, the, the lineup that was going to work, that how that Vinny lineup end up doing? Like, I think people knew what the lineup needed to be. And people, when they booed, I mean, maybe some of them were stupid and they were booing Severe, but I think they were booing Calipari for how much he was playing him. He was a role player that was, you know, getting starter minutes. Um, you know, you look at what Saul Smith went through and he was playing over guys that maybe he shouldn't have been playing over. And he still had some really good games. The game against USC in the tournament, he was he had one of his best games uh, when they lost to Brian Scalabrini. He got a lot of stuff said to him, a lot. That's the kind of the attacks that Cal talks about. You're the point guard at Kentucky. That's like being the quarterback at Alabama, the quarterback at Tennessee. Like it comes with a lot. But when it's good, like you're the man, like you're a rock star, you're on the cover of Sports Illustrated and it's great. There's a reason why you'd want to take that role. I, I, I just, I don't know, like, as just a fan, again, I'm an idiot. I don't, I don't follow the team like Jack does. So, like, I'm just throwing stuff out here. I'm kind of just gauging your reactions also. So, you're pretty, your poker face is pretty good. Um, do, do you think that Cal kind of did him an injustice? Or is this just something the, the fans took and just, like, because we're crazy and just kind of blew it out of proportion. Um, it, it, it's complicated. Um, I, I do think that emotions played a part in all of it. Um, and we're definitely going to get more into it. And, you know, the season just ended and, and there's going to be a lot of talk about how things unfolded and, and uh, you, you know, individual decisions like that and, and obviously the Savir Wheeler saga and, you know, when he inevitably puts his name in the transfer portal and makes his decision, uh, you know, as to what his future holds and, and all of that, like, there, there's a lot of conversation to get into, but I do think that he was hurt by uh, all that. And I, I don't think he was worried necessarily about booze had he been there for senior night. I think it had more to do with you know, I don't want to hear their cheers. You know, I, I've heard their boos in the past. Mm -hmm. I don't want the standing ovation. I don't, and I do think just privately that was a part of it. Um, 
the surgery was a very real one and it was a very serious one and it needed to happen quickly. Could there have been a day difference? That stuff, I don't know, but... Or a video. Or a, a video, a statement. I, I do think that that could have been handled differently. And I said this on the show. I think that's going to be a decision that uh, he ultimately regrets one day. I, I do think that no matter what happened this season, no matter how fans treated him for better or worse, and I do think it was a, um, a, a very vocal minority. I, I do think that 95% of Kentucky fans treated him the exact way he deserved as a as a leader as somebody that did a lot of really good things for this university and deserved to to be ultimately supported and loved and cherished and I think that's why when he did come out for senior day there was a or when he did not come out for senior day then Ellen Calipari came out in the number two jersey that there was a standing ovation and there was an absolute roar from the fan base because 95% of those fans that, right. that is their gen, genuine feel for Savir and, and that's that's where it sucks because it, it, it sucks that there was so much toxic behavior surrounding Savir uh, and I do think that a lot of it was not justified in the sense that it was okay to want Kaysen to play more and have a, an expanded role but not at the expense of saying Savir stinks he needs to go all, you know, go on somewhere, throw them in the in the trash, and like that. That was not necessarily it was not productive behavior uh, on either side, and, and I, I do think that both sides will end up regretting how all of it unfolded because that that unfortunately is the lasting legacy. We're not going to remember the twenty plus, you know, twenty point break breakthrough performance against North Carolina last year, yeah. and, the, and the times that he was the straw that stirred the drink, and the the starting point guard of a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, like big picture like that's who he was for this team last year he was a winning point guard that did do a lot of really good things he had his flaws he was a turnover prone point guard that uh, was not a great shooter you had to play uh, around him and and fit his style of play a a whole heck of a lot better and and I don't think that this team especially early on when Antonio wasn't making shots and CJ was uh, off and on and um, he needs to have shooters around him and, and he needs to play with a style of, of play and, and a pace. We talked earlier. What, what did Kentucky finish in tempo? Two fifteen. It, it was something bad. like that. The the, this season. Yeah. I think the Big Twelve. Just speaking out loud here, and I have already had some conversations. Assuming he does decide to put his name in the portal, um, I, I think Kansas State might be a fit for him <laughs> because I do think Marquise Noel will end up leaving and going pro there, and I don't think that that's a bad fit for him. Um, there are some recruiting ties with with him there and um, who Savir was committed to at Texas Tech when he or Texas A&M when he was first uh, in high school is now the lead assistant at Kansas State so that is a fit I do think Texas A&M will be uh, highly interested I guess guys with prior connections to him that was they were huge fans of his game in the past they will they're still fans of his game and I do think that the, the that they're uh, will be connections there at some point down the line. I do think that there is a role for him somewhere he's going to start. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 
for some college team next year, I think he's going to be a damn good one. So um, it sucks that the legacy is what it is. And the last time that we get to, we ever got to talk to him uh, ended up being that Thursday afternoon where he said, I'm ready to help this team go on a run. I'm available to play. I feel good. I, 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 I want to be, you know, he told the story about the last time he was in the situation. He tore his meniscus as a senior in high school, missed the majority of that year, came back in time for the playoffs and led his Houston Christian school to a state championship in Texas. And he kind of threw that narrative out there. And that was the storyline of, you know, it's my senior year out for a long time due to injury. And I get the chance to return for the playoffs, return for the NCAA tournament and help lead my team to a national championship. The storyline was great, but unfortunately the lasting memory will be that. And then the next very, next morning, Cal or next afternoon, Cal saying that he's only at 70 to 75% going through pregame warmups shooting around as as normal in full uniform and then not playing a single second in two straight games. So um, it sucks. I will appreciate Xavier for what he brought yeah. to the table uh, to school. And, and uh, it's unfortunate that it ended the way that, that it that it did. And I do think that he would have been a, a huge help in that game. But now the situation is what it is. Um, Steven, I want to you, – you were the, in there in the locker room with me. Yeah. Um, and I want to – just kind of paint that picture yeah. because that was a memory that I think I'll have for the rest of my life. Have you just, done one of those before? Uh, not in an NCAA tournament okay. game. Okay, I, I was curious because you, you said that and I, I, I wonder because I know you've covered the team for a while, but of course it, COVID and everything had been different, so I didn't know if, if that was the case, but yeah. Yeah, uh, so the media floods into the locker room. And again, there's a lot of people on social media saying, uh, I hate that the media goes into the locker room after we that. Do well, too. Well, well, we, we don't want like I mean it's it's great for big wins and you know the excitement yeah. and all that stuff, but it is tragic. Like it is a it is a terrible it's a terrible thing walking into their home and their personal space following misery, you know. And, and it's not immediately after the game ends. There are some people going give them a couple minutes to cool off. It's like. 30 minutes after the game ends where they've already cooled off. So the emotion and reaction that we get as is, yeah. is already the kind of the let the dust settle a little bit beforehand. So just keep that in mind. We walk in there, the floodgates open and Oscar Sheboy is turned away from his teammates. He's facing his locker by himself in dead silence. The entire room is dead silent, but him especially never seen him like that. And, the time starts ticking and it's like 30 seconds pass, a minute passes, two minutes pass, three minutes pass. And I mean, we're in silence. Like the media is just behind him silent. Yeah. We're, we're like, okay, do we tell him that we're here? Do we say, Hey Oscar, how you feeling? Like, no, you just sit there, shut up and let him have his moment. But that moment just kind of kept lingering. And it was like, man, this is really uncomfortable. And I, I just, I hate it. Ugo stands up and he goes over and again, unbelievable, un, uh, unbelievably powerful gesture on Ugo's part. The guy who played averaged 6.9 minutes a game hasn't, I think, played 10 minutes plus since like one time since like the start of the new year, since 2023 or something. Yeah. Uh, he played no no minutes. The guy ahead of him, his role model, his mentor, the you know the, from Africa himself, and you know just kind of learning how to be a college basketball star from Africa like it's a really cool story 
he goes over and puts his arm on Oscar and says, whispers in his ear, Oscar, these people want to hear you. They, they need to talk to you. You need to tell them, you know, they, they need, you're the voice that they need to hear right now. Not the media, but who, who the cameras are, you know, people are watching through the camera, the, the, the media outlets, you guys that are li- watching this and listening to this, uh, it's for you. He, Oscar needed to calm the fan base down and get in, you know, say something to it. And, uh, it was like, just a really powerful moment because almost immediately afterward, Oscar stands up, turns around, sits down, kind of <sighs> takes a deep breath and answers questions for 25 straight minutes, no matter how difficult they were. What's your lasting legacy going to be? I don't know. I wish I could, you know, I feel sorry. I want to tell Big Blue Nation sorry for not providing enough for this school. And I came back to winning that, like, uh, taking ownership of the year. And he played great. I was like, dude. He made some turnovers we talked about. You do not need to apologize for anything. Like, we need to apologize to you for not giving you the national championship that you deserve. Like, I felt felt sick. It was a, a sick feeling. Uh, of just numbness and emptiness and pure emotions. We go over and talk to CJ Frederick and he's talking about the possibility of hanging it up and how, you know, his body is just, you know, breaking down. He's gone through so much and yeah, he doesn't regret any, anything that's happened over the course of his five years, but damn, it's like a sobering reality for him, especially because like this could be the end of the road for him just in basketball. Like probably not going to go pro, not, you know, how much left does he have to give the game? Yeah. He could. He has eligibility left, and he said he acknowledged that. But it was just a really tough feel and emotion in that locker room, and you got to experience that as well. You talk to different players, just yeah. your thoughts as well. So yeah, it was my first time going into a losing locker room. People on Twitter, I mean, like that said that you all shouldn't be in there. Look, I, I well, I tell you, as a fan, as somebody who grew up as a fan, I didn't want to go into a, a Kentucky losing locker room. Um, I knew it was going to be bad. Um, the, we saw, we, we've all seen the video of like Monk and, and Fox and Bam. And, and uh, I know John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins were like inconsolable after they lost to West Virginia. So I kind of knew what to expect. I've been in losing locker rooms before. Not one where I'm emotionally invested as well. Makes it just a little bit different. And, and not for an NCAA tournament. Um, I was, I was, um, uh, Sorry, I keep getting phone calls. Um, I, I was talking to Antonio Reeves, and uh, I I felt so bad for him. Like we said, his stat line was 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 bad. I mean, there's you can't really sugarcoat it. It was bad. Um, but he played so well all season. He single handedly, for the most part, I don't know single handedly, but he but they don't win a lot of games without him. Especially like Arkansas, they don't win that game. They probably they may not win the Providence game without him. Um, and I really, really did enjoy watching him play. Um, I love his jumper, and I. But you're right. We got there about 20 so minutes after the game ended, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. They, and but you've seen everybody with the red eyes. C.J. Frederick was, the, maybe the most, like tore up, and uh, you know what an unlucky season it had been for C.J. I felt so bad for him. Of course, it felt bad for Oscar because, you know, he, he, he felt like Oscar was that guy who just took his heart and put it on the floor for you. You know, like, um, I think CJ to play through what he played through is another one of those guys. I'm not saying that anybody didn't give 100%. I'm not suggesting that. But just that CJ, 
you know, if you ever crack your rib, go and try to play 40, you know, play, well, not 40 minutes. You try to play in a high level college basketball game and just see how uncomfortable it would be. And not only that, but he had the finger and the ankle from last year and, the, and, and everything else. And it's, and the pressure and then, uh, and I had a moment as I was leaving and Antonio was standing by the doorway and, you know, I just became a fan for a second. And I, I didn't know if I'd ever talk to Antonio Reeves ever again. And I, I told him that, you know, it was like, hey man, it was, it was you know, it was probably unprofessional, but I just said, it, it was really fun watching you play. I really enjoyed watching you play. You had a great year. And, and thank you for the memories. And um, again, probably unprofessional, um, but I, I just, you see them as kids in that moment. Like you almost, as an adult, I'm, you know, I'll be 33 on Friday. That was gonna be an awesome birthday, by the way, to watch uh, on Thursday, watch Kentucky beat Michigan State and then get prepared for Tennessee and enjoy my, my birthday in New York City. That was gonna be great, unfortunately. But, uh, but again, I'm gonna be 33. I almost just like wanna like, give some of the kids a hug. Like, it just feel like they need an adult. They, like, it's just like, they just look like little kids. Some of them, they're 22. They're not kids. Some of them are not kids, but some of them are. I mean, Kaysen was pissed. Chris Livingston is, was pissed, but he, again, these guys, like, they, you just forget until it's like that raw emotion. And then you're like, oh, I remember when I was 18. Like, oh God, like, could I imagine, could you imagine like a bunch of adults coming in, you know, grown men and women to, to ask you about a game that you played poorly in and you let down an entire commonwealth. I mean, geez, man, like you talk about like pressure in the game, like that's tough, but like having to do that, having to, I, it, 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 I don't know how you felt. I felt kind of gross being there. It's part of our job. We have to do it. Um, and I think it does humanize them. So it's, it's a net positive for the players because now we're talking about how, you know, these are real people. They're not robots, as Cal likes to say. That was that was a tough experience. I likened it to a funeral. Like you just didn't talk. You were very, you had to be respectful. Everybody was experiencing loss. Um, I'm gonna be working on a project over the off season on psychology of sports fans. Uh, the author uh, is a professor at Murray State. He wrote the book, Psychology of Sports Fans. He says that losing a, a game, like an elimination game, will give you those same exact feelings as if you've lost a loved one, which sounds insane, but obviously that goes away and as you turn the page and you know there are things bigger than basketball and you move on and you play next season or whatever. But like, that was, that was really tough to experience. And, and I know that there's, there's been worse ones, you know, um, but I think that this team had a path. These guys knew they had a path to the tournament. They kept talking about how much time they had. We kind of joked like, well, how much time do you got? But, but I got the sense though, that when it, when, when they lost, they were like, oh. Said going into that funeral, because that was the, the death of the season. Yeah, I mean, um, again, felt felt terrible for them. I don't, I know a lot of them have decisions to make. Um, I, I think it would be big to get Antonio Reeves back with next year's team. Um, how do you feel about, I, I tend to disagree with the guy's, some, the guy's uh, point that Oscar, you can't win six straight games with Oscar. I just think you gotta use him in a different way. There obviously, there was, defensively, there were issues. These things are fixable. I think there's a way, you're telling me you can't win six straight games with a guy who gets that many rebounds and that many points and I know he has, there are deficiencies that he had on defense, 
you can't figure out a way to make that work. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like, I, I don't know that, I don't even know if Calipari wants him to come back. Like, I, you know, I don't, you heard him a lot, especially early, and he did stop doing this. But do you remember the, the, the early press conferences when he was like, but I got Oscar. What do you want me to do? I got Oscar. Yep. I, almost like I can't do this kind of offense. I have Oscar. I, I can't play this defense. I have Oscar. Well, I mean, that made me think like, okay, you're acting like the national player of the year coming back is a bad thing. Was it a bad thing? Like, were there? First of all, I guess the question uh, I would I would ask you is like, is there is there a real is there a world where Oscar comes back and plays another year at Kentucky? Uh, I, I don't see it. I think this was the last hurrah for him. Um, I, I think the opportunity would be there to come back, and I, I don't think that Cal would tell him no. Uh, but I think then you start getting into, okay, well, what's going to happen with Ugano and Yenza? What's going to happen with Aaron Bradshaw? What's going to happen with Damian Collins? Like, okay, so you're going to take Oscar back, uh, and then Damian Collins, a dude that lost everything this year, yeah. you're going to say, well, sorry, bud, we got the National Player of the Year. Um, figure it out. Hope you enjoy Baylor or Houston or Texas Tech. Go on home and have a nice day. And do you expect yeah. Collins to be back then? Uh, well, and I don't think it's 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 as simple as that. I'm just yeah. so more so saying, right, right, making the push for a guy like Oscar yeah. who's had his opportunity and, and mm. you know every single opportunity that he could have ever dreamed of yeah. in Lexington. You know, I just think when push comes to shove. It's sometimes it's best for a fresh start with people. It's, a, it's going to be time for a, a fresh start with Xavier Wheeler. It's going to be a time for a fresh start with, you know, just Jacob Toppin. I'd love another year for Jacob Toppin, but, you know, he's looking for – he's been in college for four years and, you know, trying to figure out, am I a pro? What what can I do to be a pro? So he needs a fresh start. You know, sometimes it's, it's necessary for certain guys, and I just think Oscar fits that billing – almost to a T. And when you have guys like Hugo who is deserving of an opportunity, any opportunity, I mean, he was the only guy on this team that didn't get an opportunity this year. Even a, a Duthiero had a bigger opportunity than, than Oscar did this year. So it, it's just little things like that that, um, again, we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of, of all of that when the time comes and this week will be that time. We'll, we'll do a, a, you know, the dust is settled, what's going to happen with coaching staff, but to, you know, potential coaching staff changes, uh, the latest on stay or go decisions, there, there you know, are, are updates on that, but um, this this show, I think, is about feeling for those kids, and yeah. that locker room, and, and the emotions that they all felt, because that, that was a really tough scene, and it was a tough finish of a tough year. This is a team that went through a lot this year yeah. as a group and a lot of stuff that happened that we know publicly and a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that is not out there in the public um, that is deserving of a reality check and is deserving of a okay maybe we shouldn't have been as hard on them in certain circumstances and at different points of the season that I was personally hard uh, on them like at the Missouri game for instance that was the one that I was like man the uh, the team chemistry is terrible right now. They don't even look like they like each other. Uh, I, I've never seen a more disconnected group in my life. Well, maybe there's stuff that goes into that. Maybe there's a reason that there's that there's things going on uh, beyond basketball that really basketball doesn't matter right now and in that individual moment. And, you know, that's not an excuse for 
missed shots or you know in, you know individual things that happened during the game and uh, that was a game that we you, you go back on and, and Kentucky probably does regret going to Columbia losing in that way but it's just a, a big picture issue there's a lot of stuff that happened with this team that and probably uh, some stuff that we'll, we'll, we'll like we'll never know because it's none of our business right I mean stuff like you know stuff that may happen outside of basketball that doesn't happen on the court those are things that I'm not I'm not even saying that we have a right to know because I don't think that we do there are some personal things that you know may happen you know with the team that you know will affect how they play would certainly affect how you play depending on what it is um, so I this team went through a lot I mean it's from the very beginning I mean you know I don't know that I don't know that anybody in the media really gave much attention to um, Damian Collins's dad passing away and how much it affected not just him, but everybody. And um, I really thought Damian Collins was going to have a great year. He looked great in, um, in the Bahamas, like everybody did. But also there were, there were moments um, this year, uh, Florida game, maybe, where first half where he hit a few buckets, a few jump shots. He, I really thought he was going to have a big season. And I don't know that we ever, um, now that, you know, of course, we talked about how much that affected him and, and how much, like, how, you know, what that has to do to a, a young kid and, um, you know, and, the, and how sudden everything happened. Calipari, when he first dressed, you could see the hurt on Cal's face. I just wonder how much, I mean, that's where it started. I mean, and then they had several other things happen along the way from, injuries to season ending injury. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. And then, oh, on top of that, you're losing games. And on top of that, not just the local media, like national media, that guys who cover the NBA, you know, the, those people are now, what's wrong with Kentucky? What's wrong with this guy? You've talked to NBA scouts who have been at games and at that game in particular, that was asking a lot of questions about what's, hang on, what's going on with this? This team took on a lot. They, they called um, uh, Joe B. Hall's 1978 National Championship team like the no-fun team. I don't know that this team had a lot of fun. There were, there were highlights. There were some big moments in, in, in particular games. Um, maybe Arkansas might be one of, one of their top moments of the season. But you're right in that they didn't really – they didn't accomplish – there's nothing to like – they didn't win an SEC tournament – didn't get to the SEC championship game, you know, didn't win the champions classic, didn't really win any out of conference games of note. Um, you know, at least when we went to London, they won that game. So at least didn't waste that trip. But I mean, I don't know, man, like there, how much of it, you know, do uh, national media, uh, especially like they're not there. They, a lot of them, they write columns from, you know, hundred miles away or further and they have no idea um, maybe some of the hurt that these guys go to if you if, if there's ever a doubt that these players care or not um, well watch one of those locker rooms from any of the seasons especially this one I mean everybody they, talk, they cared I mean they they were hurt I mean I, I really hope they win it all next year so I don't have to experience that again that would be great yeah, that would uh, that, that that sure would be nice. But, but yeah, it's uh, a, a tough way to finish, and I, I feel for these kids. And 
um, there, there is a lot of excitement for next year and, and obviously that, but, but I'm not personally going to kind of throw these kids away in favor of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, if, if Antonio Reese decides to ultimately go, I'm not going to say, well, at least we got DJ coming in. At least we got Rob Dillingham coming in. Like Antonio was a hell of a basketball player that brought a lot to this team that went out in a pretty, pretty rough shooting performance that that's going to be something if, if he does decide to hang it up or, you know, go, it, it would be going pro, not hanging it up completely, but hanging it up in Kentucky. Uh, that, that's going to be a tough legacy thing for him. It's like, a, you know, Kellen Grady losing against St. Peter's on a one-for-nine shooting performance and him not having any more eligibility to come back. And uh, it, it, stuff like that is tough. And, and so I, I'm, there will be a time to break down. I'll be at the McDonald's All-American game in two weeks. Shoot, uh, next week, I think? Yeah, ne- next Tuesday I will yeah. be at the McDonald's All-American game for the open practices and uh, all that stuff. So uh, I, I get one full week, Stephen, before I start having to turn my attention toward that. But for today, at least, um, ex- you know, appreciate that we get the chance to just you know say thank you to Oscar Sheepway. If it was the last time that we got to see him in a Kentucky uniform, appreciate everything that he brought to the table. CJ Frederick, tough as nails. If if he decides to call it a career, uh, that's a dude that played a lot of basketball. That did a lot of good things for two different two very high profile programs on and off the, the floor um you know antonio reeves whatever his decision is jacob toppin man his turnaround since the, that exact missouri game uh his turnaround yeah. has been one of the most refreshing and, and joyous experiences of this job just seeing seeing that you know kind of it, it all click for him that that was a really rewarding feeling for him and Shoot, you know, Brennan Canada, a dude that uh, we rarely got to see on the actual basketball floor, but, uh, you know, he brought a hell of a lot to the basketball team mm-hmm. from, you know, a, a leadership perspective and in the locker room and uh, in practice and behind closed doors in the, the dorm and all, all of that stuff. There are a lot of dudes on this team that impacted this program in different, different ways, and uh, I appreciate all of them. Like you said, I, I'm, I'm glad you got the chance to fanboy a little bit and say <laughs> yeah. thanks for everything because – uh, these, 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 all of them have brought a lot to this program, and uh, it did not end the way that they wanted. They wanted to win, just like all of us. It's really disappointing, and there's a lot of stuff to be frustrated about. And um, again, we'll get to that at a later show. But this one, appreciate this season. It was not necessarily a fun ride. It was a ride uh, with a lot of ups and downs, and um, a lot of great kids. So, Stephen, let's wrap this show up we are almost home thank god yeah. back on it I, I would love to be packing up for new york city but unfortunately that's just not the reality but um, we'll, we'll let this one marinate a little bit and uh, turn our attention toward uh probably one of the busiest off seasons in the calipari era if i had to guess just in terms of turnover and coaching <laughs> changes and all that stuff yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting couple of weeks. And I know you're going to get to that in a, in a later show. And I know we got to wrap this one up. It could be a really interesting off season. There's going to be a lot of a lot of changes. Um, at least we know for sure roster wise, and we'll see about personnel wise as far as like coaches and assistant coaches, grad assistants. Um, you know, I, but I am excited for it. I, you know, you know, I was listening to the to the guys today on the radio, and, and Drew said, you know, I'm not really looking forward to it. He said, he said, I will be looking forward to it, and that's kind of how I felt too. Like, yeah, right now, 
it's kind of like, oh, man, how do we get up for a whole other year to be like, to get a run in the tournament, you know? Um, but I am excited for it. I mean, like there, I think that again, you don't want to just dismiss what this team did. This team could have rolled over after South Carolina. I thought they were going to. I would, Drew and I went to Tennessee like half-heartedly. Like we didn't even really want to be there because we knew like this was going to be a blowout. And it started that way. And and man, the this team, to go through everything, everything they went through, they finished third in the SEC. After that South Carolina game, did we think they were going to finish third in the SEC? Did, they, did we think they were going to be fighting for a four or five seed? Absolutely not. I mean – I didn't think they were going to make the tournament. I didn't think – I thought – and I thought maybe they'll reject an NIT bid. I thought after they got done playing that last game in the SEC tournament, they were done. And they were probably going to be playing – they might be playing on Wednesday in the SEC tournament. So what what Calipari did and what this coaching staff did and what these players did to, to get better, to fix some things, there were some positives to take away. I want to be mad. I want to be mad. As a fan, you want to look for somebody to blame – when you lose a game like that. I wanted to be mad at Calipari. Calis should have done something. Somebody should have done something. Why was this guy? They just just didn't go in. Good shooters. Great shooters. Shots didn't go in. Guys who have been playing their best. Shots just didn't go in. Jacob did fine defensively. I don't know that Antonio killed you defensively. It sucks. It sucks that, we're like you said, we're not packing New York City. But I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not really mad at Cal. I'm not... A little bit upset at that referee that wanted to like pick a fight with Cal throughout the game. Yeah, forget that guy. <laughs> so, you know, but it, it is what it is. But um, uh, excited going to football tomorrow morning, bright and early. We'll be there. So we'll turn the page into a new sport. Baseball team is in the top twenty-five. There's also that. <laughs> that, that, that is something. Uh, <laughs> it, it sure is. Uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go on and get out of here. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the happy show we were expecting, but. Uh, Wanted to get some, some stuff off our chest, and I appreciate you coming on with us, Stephen. Where can fans find your work? Um, I'm on Twitter at Stephen P. KSR. Uh, but I highly recommend going to YouTube, KSR, uh, subscribe. We're going to have all kinds of fun content to put out in this uh, off-season period that I'm excited about. I'm excited to do some, some really cool projects. Um, so go to there. Go to YouTube, KSR. Kentucky Sports Radio, subscribe. Try to get us to 20,000 subscribers before the football season. We're at like 19,100 something. So, and we would have got there, Jack. If we would have, if they were in Madison Square Garden next week, we, had, we were at 20,000 easy by the end of next week. But, well, we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. <laughs> we, we, we have we have player decisions, NBA drafts, stay or go, uh, coaching staff changes. We got all of that stuff on this specific show. So make sure you. Uh, stay listening to that. You can find my work personally on KentuckySportsRadio.com, on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR, and you can reach out to me via email, JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. We will be back at some point here in the next couple of days and uh, uh, really hit reset on everything. Uh, we will see you then. The Sources Say Podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, and time commitment constraints. Andy is a super nice, great to chat with guy. 
big sports fan, by the way, and we're very excited to continue our partnership with him this year. Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you are wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you always. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.